Thank you for tuning in to the Wealth Builders podcast. On this episode, we have an excerpt from Billy Epperhart's teaching on organizational mastery at Karis Bible College. Be sure to visit the free download section of our shop at www.wealthbuilders.org to get a free handout for this episode. Enjoy the show. Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Let's join Billy Epperhart. Amen. So, I want to read this to you. I'm going to make you turn a couple of pages back. But if you'll go to page two, and I just want to re-emphasize this on page two. And it's a second paragraph. Page two, second paragraph. It starts with the word but. And I said, but what I did not know was how to do it. In other words, I was talking about uh, when I started my career, if you want to call it that, I don't look at it as a career, I look at it as a calling, but just so you have a context for it. When I started my career, I started as a pastor. Now, most, many people in Karis don't know that because I do, what I do is the business teaching and in uh, the business school with Paul Milligan, of course, Paul and I have been friends for years. But the reason that, that I, I'm bringing that up here in this teaching is because I, was, I, I graduated from a four-year Assemblies of God Bible College, which is now called Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxahachie, Texas. I graduated with a degree a four-year Bachelor of Science degree in Christian ministry. And I want to tell you how much I knew about le- being a leader or how much I knew about being a manager. You want to know how much I knew? Was zero. I knew nothing. Now, I could exegete a scripture pretty good, but I knew I was clueless. And so I, for the first year or two, I mean, I just bounced like a pool, like, like a, a, a pool ball on a pool table. I mean, I was, I was ricocheting from one place to the other, trying to find my way around. And I learned some of this stuff because listen, I wasn't, I wasn't interested in just what I was supposed to do. I was interested in how do I do it? Most of the time, a lot of ministers come out and they just know why they're doing it. I feel called. So I'm going to teach the word. But they don't even know what to do. I had some clue from school what to do, but nobody taught me how to do it. So in the second paragraph, it says here, it was because I could see and feel that the lack of systems and processes was what was missing that I began studying how to build systems in an organization. Most small business and nonprofit leaders focus on leadership to the exclusion of any teaching on management and how to build systems. They use phrases like, I'm not a micromanager, as though that is some valid excuse not to pay attention to the lack of systems or management in their organization or business. 
So here's what I want to say to you. You can't hire somebody to do this for you until you first learn something about how to do it. People, I, I see this happen all the time. Somebody says, well, yeah, look at Andrew and Paul Milligan. Exactly. Look at Andrew. How many employees did Andrew have when Paul came in? He had 300, and who did he hire before that? David Hardesty. He had grown the ministry up to a point where he could hire somebody. But if that's all you're thinking, and you're thinking, that's me, listen, Andrew is over here, and you're, if I can be candid and let you know you got to love me to get to heaven, you are here. And because you are here, Toto, you ain't in Kansas no more. <laughs> what I'm saying is this stuff is not going to happen automatically. I got Melba at least helping me. I can't get nobody else to help me. So a manager focuses on the work. A leader concentrates more on people, page five, than he does on the work. He enables people to move into new areas of activity and achievement. So it's both of those things. So we say it this way, we combine them, we combine those two and the leader and manager. So the leader is the heart and the manager is the head. Look something like that. Leadership is art and management is science. Look something like this. So in the science part, it's that manager develops those systems and org charts, et cetera, to reflect the vision. The leader concentrates on the people. And so what we learn from this process is that balance is necessary. So balance is necessary. So if you're moving into a situation, and, and may I... May I be really candid. The reason the world outreach system is so important and what we're providing is because when you then go to some other seminar or go read some other uh, leadership book, you'll now have a template in which, I call it a hat rack, in which to take what you learn and hang it on there. Most of the time, most people are still calling the trunk the elephant and it's not the elephant. You need to see the whole elephant, which is what we want to show you in World Outreach, and then you need, when you do learn and you do grow and you do get better and you do learn more about leadership or you do learn more about management, that in that process, in doing that, in that process of doing so, then you, you have a place to put what it is you learn or you gather so you don't lose it, so you can, you can implement it as it goes. So balance is necessary. Now I actually, uh, in the book, on page six, I did this for Mike Pickett. Now, in case you don't know who Mike Pickett is, he's here on the front row. Now, Mark, who's your quarterback? Who you? you know, but you follow the Cowboys, right? No, Chicago, Denver. You find oh well, we don't have a quarterback either, so we're. That's a I'm a joke. That's a joke. But we really don't yet. We're working on it. So if you take, now I use Vince Lombardi in the book, but let me use Bill Belichick. When Belichick was invited to coach the Patriots, the thing that he said that he'd accept the offer under one condition, he wanted to be the leader and the manager. 
In other words, he wanted to be the coach and the general manager. He didn't want somebody else to manage. Now, some of that's been tweaked since then, but he said, I don't want somebody else managing football operations. I want to manage the football operations and I want to be coach. I want to do both. And so the reason I'm showing that to you in a football illustration, or you can read the one in the book there on the manual on Vince Lombardi, is that every, every good manager must, number one, select the right people, train them, and use their talents in the most efficient way to get the job done. So number one, it's on page seven, select the right people, train them, use their talents in the most effective way. So how many of you have ever heard of the book, Good to Great by Jim Collins? How many of you? Let me see. So if you haven't heard it after you hear this teaching, uh, go and get that book. You're going to read a lot of things in that book that's not, that I, I don't have in here, but I'm making the point. He said, it's important that you first of all have to get the right people on the bus. You've heard that before, right? That's Jim Collins, good to great. You have to get the right people on the bus, then you have to get those people in the right seat on the bus. That's management. So if you learn that as you begin to go through this process, you train them, you use their talents, and I would say one of the, the greatest uh, mis mistakes or gaps that people have in any organization is they do not provide enough time for training. Or onboarding. And the reason that that's necessary is so people know what seat to get on on the bus. Then every good leader must bring out the best in each player and inspire each individual week after week. So leadership is more about a building rapport, which we'll talk about at the end of the chapter, I got to hurry, about building rapport, and it's more about leading people and touching people. So an example will be a manager, come on, Mike, stand up here and role play, can you stand up fine? Yep, yep, he's, man, you're looking good, man, you lost a lot of weight since Russia. You know what he, oh, oh we can't do this on video, can we? He's following me, so get over here in the light. I'm in the light. You're in the light. So a, a manager, Let's say Billy's a manager. So I'm gonna role play a manager. So I walk in, if I'm just a pure manager, have no leadership on me, a manager goes, Mike, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Did you get that work done I want you to do? How you doing today? And I walk off. A good leader with the manager says, hey Mike, how you doing today, man? Shakes their hand, touches them on the shoulder, looks them in the eye. How you doing? You having a good day? Having a good day. Good day. Right? How's your kids this weekend? And doing great. Doing great. Blah, blah, blah. And then I may bring up. That's right. That's a combination of leader and manager. Mm -hmm. Everybody here? So you got to have both in the role play. And the systems are what allow you to be a manager, but it's the leadership that allows you to bond. Now, you look good. I had to get you stand up here because those, you know what he did? He fed me a bunch of Bellinis in Russia. Now, listen, if you don't know what Bellinis are, huh? Chocolate banana Bellini. And it's the same as they have in Paris that they call chocolate banana crepe. And I had like 18 of them. 
I had to get out of Russia, so I stopped eating bellinis. <laughs> so why are you a leader and a manager? And notice there's no page number. It's because Jesus, the master teacher, said no one can serve two masters. So each organization must have one person who is ultimately responsible for motivating the team and coordinating their efforts. So if you look here at our organization, we have Andrew, who's the chairman, president, leader. Then we have Paul Milligan, who's the CEO. And Paul has to fill both leader and manager role. And if some of you don't know this, Andrew will fill certain leader and manager roles on certain things. And the point I'm making to you is, Never in your life will you ever get away from either one to some extent. But sometimes you may be in a role where it's 70% leadership and 30% management. Other times you may get in a role where it's 70% management and 30% leadership. But there has to be an element that's there in both cases. So leadership without management on page eight, here's what happens. If there's leadership without management, Morale may be high, but people will lose sight of the objective. People may be distracted by unnecessary tangents, and people may be working hard, but nothing really happens. Where you have leadership and without management, and so let me give you a nugget. Here's another nugget. Do not mistake activity for accomplishment. I see that happen in organizations all the time, People mistake activity for accomplishment, and the fact is what really matters is not how busy you are. What matters is what's getting accomplished or what's getting done. And so there's a secret to understanding that. Then the last one we're going to take a break is management without leadership will produce, the morale will be destroyed. If it's all management, in other words, heavy-handed, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Morale will be destroyed, and the organization's effort is wasted because people are not excited, they don't want to be there, and well-engineered programs are also wasted if there's not someone to lead it. The corporate world now calls that person the champion. We need either a change agent or a champion to lead the charge, especially when they're doing projects, but also just in any kind of generalization. So management without leadership is the second mistake or the overemphasis that people make. So we'll come back. When we come back, we'll, we'll still start at the end of chapter one, where we're going to talk about the two ingredients that a strong leader possesses. So let's take a break. God bless you. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exist to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. The Wealth Builders Podcast is produced by Celine Williams with music by Audio Jungle and narration by Greg Hunter. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running. Please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Builders Podcast. If you have any questions for Billy Epperhart, please email info at wealthbuilders.org.
And if you're interested in furthering your learning, check out Wealth Builders University, our online educational platform at wbuniversity.online. You'll find dozens of courses on a variety of topics from leadership to investment. Thanks again and tune in next time.